Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. John chapter 19 is where we're going to be this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come to your word and we come to you in Jesus' name. And we ask you that you would anoint these words that are in your word, that we would understand and we would have a better grip of who we are in this world. And so we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. We remember last week when we left off, we talked about Pilate looking at Jesus when Jesus said that he was the truth. He said, what is truth? And we talked a little bit about what's called relativism. Relativism became popular teaching in the colleges of America in the 60s and the 70s. And relativism seeks to replace fact and truth. In other words, true is true if it's true to you. Well, the problem is that doesn't necessarily make something true, even if you believe that it is true. I've used this illustration before. You can drive into a brick wall at 100 miles an hour and believe that it won't do anything to you. But the fact of the matter is it will. Now, when we start looking at all these things, now everything you need to know about life and godliness is in the Bible. Now, why is that important? Because it'll tell you the truth about everything. It won't be relativism. It'll be what actually God's word says is true. And so we remember that, and this is where I believe this whole thing begins to unravel. And today we're going to see a couple of different things. We're going to see the difference between a government of democracy and a a government of a republic. Now, it's important to know the difference. Now you say, well, I really don't think I I care. You will care, especially when you see what we're going to look at today, because you're going to see the difference between a republic and a democracy, because everything you need to know about life is in God's word. And so we remember in the preceding chapter, verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? This, uh, Three, three word question echoes through the history of man. What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Very important because he was tried by the laws of the country of Rome. Rome, by the way, friends, was a republic. It was not a, a democracy. He was tried by the laws. Pilate declared him to be what? Innocent. Important to remember. Because what we're going to read today is the mistake that people make understanding the difference and how what and how we're governed makes a difference in the way we live our lives. After he said he's innocent, look at verse verse 1 of chapter 19. So when Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, why? 
Why would you scourge an innocent man? He had just declared him to be innocent and then he takes him and scourges him. Why? Because the people were screaming. Now, friends, a democracy is where people set the rules and they live by those rules. A republic is what's based upon truth, and it doesn't matter oftentimes what people want. What would you rather be tried by? A mob, or would you rather be tried by a set of established rules? I'll always take established rules, because we know people are what? Fickle. We remember in the New Testament, the book of Acts. One place we find the apostle Paul... uh, And Silas, we find them being honored as gods that fell down from heaven. Later on that afternoon, they took them out and stoned them to death, or at least they tried to. Now, why is that important? Because laws establish who we are. Now, why is that important? You have to have truth if you're going to have what? Laws. Otherwise, true is only true to you. And so therefore, what might be lawful for you to do would be illegal for somebody else to do. Now, you begin to understand that as truth goes out of a nation, as truth goes out of an individual's life, we have then no guidance any longer. Pilate declared Jesus innocent and then had him scourged. What was wrong with this? It was in violation of the republic. So now you find Pilate capitulating to the demands of the people, though the demands of the people were what? Wrong. Look at this. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, that they put him on, and they put on him a purple robe. And this, of course, is the king's colors. Uh, Had him scourged. And by the way, that's what um, communion is in part about. We know that Jesus bled on the cross for us. His blood covered our sins. Peter says his body was broken so we can be healed. I like that. I need to be healed. You need to be healed. What is it that troubles you in your soul? What is it that troubles you in your memories? What is it that troubles you and maybe your ability to love or be loved? The Bible says Jesus' body was broken so we could be healed. This morning, I pray that you understand that Paul even says this when he writes to the church in Corinth in chapter 11 of Corinthians. He says, for this reason, many are sick and dead among you because they partook of communion in an unworthy fashion. Not that they were unworthy, but that they viewed communion as just some ritualistic religious expression, not really realizing that it has, in fact, true power for the recipient. Now, it's really weird because Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. It was the only thing that Jesus gave his followers, us, something to remember him by, something physical. He didn't say, now you remember me by this bronze cross and wear it around your neck. And every time you get scared, just stroke it and it'll make you feel good. Didn't say that. What he said, he said, as often as you partake of this special commemorative dinner, do this in remembrance of me. That's why we honor the Lord that way. Now, does it say you can only do it once a month? No, you can do it anytime you want. Anytime you want to get together, you can do it. We do it once a month because it's kind of convenient that way. 
It honors the Lord. Some churches do it every Sunday. That's all right, too. I think a church should do it. But how often? Well, Jesus just said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus's body was broken when he was scourged. Coat of nine tails, bits of lead and broken glass on the end of a leather thongs, and they'd just take and rip it around Jesus' body, and chunks of him would be flying off. They said most people never lived past the scourging. And the idea of the scourging, well, if you'd done something wrong, every time that whip would come down on your back, you'd go, I, I didn't mean to steal the car. I didn't mean to steal. I... But Jesus had nothing to confess. So they just kept beating him and beating him and beating him. Now, there are some people that say Jesus was beat 39 times. uh, Less one, uh, 40 was the prescribed. 39 was mercy. But we have to remember something. Jesus wasn't scourged by the Jews. He was scourged by the Romans. And the Romans would beat somebody until they felt they were just about dead. So I think it's important to remember that oftentimes you'll hear this, and I've heard all kinds of ideas come out saying, well, there's 40 different uh, uh, diseases, uh, uh, base for diseases in the world. And so Jesus was beat uh, 40 times less one. And so therefore, no, no, we don't know how many times Jesus was whipped. He was whipped uh, if According to Jewish law, it would have been 39 times. But he wasn't whipped by the Jews. He was whipped by the Romans. And again, many prisoners never survived the scourging. Because one, either they bled to death or their body went into toxic shock because of all the things going on, the dirt. I mean, they dragged that thing through the dirt and then whipped them. They didn't care. They just wanted them dead. Well... We look at this. And after all of that, then they took a crown of thorns and shoved it on his head. Now, this idea here is that the thorns would actually dig into the skull. And and so any movement of your facial expressions, you would feel that in, in your face. And then they put a purple robe on him, uh, literally to mock him. Now, friends... This is why this is important. He was declared innocent. And if this is what they do to an innocent person, this tells you the dangers sometimes of a democracy where people get what they want regardless of what is right. You see the difference? He was declared innocent But because of public opinion, he was brutalized. And they said to him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. What a mockery of justice. He says, I find no fault in him, and yet to be brutalized to the point, oftentimes, for most people, to death. Now, do you see what the problem is here? If we don't learn anything else from this lesson this morning, the first thing we want to realize is how great our king is. And that he didn't open his mouth, 
He took this because of you and me. I think that's really important to realize what a great God we serve. Because he proved that he was greater than the punishment that was coming against him. The second thing we see here is he says, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know I find no fault in him. Beware ever, my friends, of ever playing to the crowd. The crowd is fickle. The crowd will lie. One minute they will applaud you. The next minute they will kill you. You do what God says to do. You'll be blessed. The danger comes in when we play to the crowd. Oh, do this, honey, and you'll be liked by everyone. No, not good. You want to do what God wants you to do. What's right is right. It doesn't matter what the crowd says. And so Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, behold the man. Now this is interesting to me because Pilate made several real short sentences concerning Jesus. What is truth? Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, you take him and crucify him for I find no fault in him. Right here again, this is now the third time he should have let him go. But the democracy now is taken over. It's what the people want. Now, I'm not saying that necessarily about our government or anything. I'm saying what we need to be careful of is just because a group of people want something doesn't make it right. And what's bad is what is right gets buried by the clamoring of people's voices. See, this is why to really be a Christian, you have to be sold out to God. It doesn't matter what everybody else says. You have to do what God tells you to do. Because if we're playing to the crowd, you will always be a moving target. You'll never, ever be where God needs you to be. You say, well, Mike, you don't understand. I I got problems. I got issues in my life. I I got this going on and I got that going on. And sometimes I have to zig and sometimes I got to zag. Well, you can zig and zag, but always be faithful to your God. That's what God expects. Because God loves you. And if you're always placating to the crowd or listening to the crowd, You'll never hear the voice of God. Why is that? Because the ways of man are not the ways of God. Now, again, when we look at this, and that's why I believe it's so important, we as people love formulas. We love formulas. We're taught formulas when we're little kids. Mama gives you a jack-in-the-box. What is that? Well, you turn the crank. Da-dink, 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 da-dink. Pop goes the weasel. Or out pops the clown. God's the same way, honey. Dink, de, dink, de, dink, de, dink. Oh, we might want to play a Christian song. Pop goes God. Is that the way it works? No. We love formulas. 
oftentimes we won't hear God. I always think about it in the Old Testament where King David was up against the Philistines. I think about this often. You know, sometimes when your mind wanders, and for some of us, it's not too hard to let it wander very far. And, and, and I remember King David was up in the Tiburneth trees. And he's getting ready to go out and meet the Philistines, a, a sworn enemy of Israel. And David gets ready to go, and he thinks, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray before I go. And he went and prayed, and God spoke to him and said, go out, meet the Philistines. I will deliver them into your hand. So David goes out. God gives him a great victory. But what's interesting, in the same chapter, later on, at the end of the chapter, we find David in the exact same battle array. He's up in the trees. They're down below. He's ready to go attack them. And right before he goes and attacks them, he prays. And he said, God, shall I go attack the Philistines as I did before? And God said, you shall not go out and meet them as you did before. Remain in the trees. And when they come, surprise. It's exactly what, God, what David did. God gave him a great victory. You say, well, what's, what's the point of the story? We like to trust experience rather than God. And whenever God gives you a victory, we don't want to trust the victory. We want to trust the God who gave us the victory. Big difference. Because I can begin to get into formulas. Go out and meet the Philistines. And out comes God. Yeah, see what I'm saying? It isn't that God doesn't give us victories so that we can see his dependency and his loyalty towards us. But we begin to think, I can trust this because I've done this before. I don't need to pray. I can just go do what I want to do. God says, no, because every situation in your life is different. Every one. God has a specific set of guidelines for us. And what does the Bible say? Seek him first. You know, I have found oftentimes in my life, I'll seek God last. After everything goes and blows up, I'll go, don't blow it up. God says, should have called me first. That's right. Why is that? Because God knows what's best for you and me. Now, Pilate brings him out and says, I don't find any fault in him. So therefore, the Pharisees, everybody cries out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to him, you take him, crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answer said, we have a law. According to our law, he ought to die. Notice this, because he made out himself out to be the son of God. This is, I think this is interesting today. You have so many cults running around in the world that says that Jesus isn't God. Now, what they mean by the Son of God, they mean that Jesus was God on earth. They didn't like that. You go back to John 8, 58. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus was claiming to be the God of the Old Testament that spoke to Moses in the burning bush. Moses said, who shall I say sent me to let my people go? And the burning bush spoke back to Moses and said, tell them the I am sent you. Jesus then says, Abraham rejoiced, see my day, saw it and was glad. And they said to Jesus, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? And he said, before Abraham was, and when he said, I am, tripped a switch. 
John 8, 59 says, and they picked up stones to stone him. Why? He was claiming to be God. Well, this is why they were screaming. And so he says he makes himself out to be God. Therefore, when Pilate heard this saying, he was more afraid. Was he more afraid of the group of people screaming, crucify him? Or was Jesus, was Pilate beginning to figure out who Jesus was? Because I believe that when they knew, see, remember something. In those days, everybody had the buzz on like we do now. Well, they didn't have Twitter and Facebook. Uh, they didn't have the National Enquirer and, and, and some of the other magazines. But everybody talked. I mean, they're, they're, uh, the miracles that Jesus did were well wide known by everybody. Everybody knew who Jesus was. And Pilate, no doubt, had heard who Jesus was as well. And so because of that, and then Jesus speaking in the previous chapter about if this was my kingdom, if this was my world right now, my followers would fight. But Jesus is saying, this is not, this is not what I'm about. I'm about eternity. You guys are about the temporary. And that's why I think Pilate was so troubled. He said, what is truth? Because he knew he was challenged in his heart. There was something going on inside of him. And he goes, he goes something different about this guy. So therefore, Pilate heard these things. He was more afraid. And he went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, I like this. This is another one of these short four-word questions that Pilate uses. He says to him, notice, where are you from? Where are you from? He didn't say, what town are you from? He said, where are you from? I think at this point, Pilate began to get it. And by the way, I think there's a lot of people, when you share your faith with somebody, they begin to get it. But the thing I think that happens oftentimes is they, they don't make the step of faith. See, again, you can know all about God. You can know all about Jesus Christ. You can believe that he was God's son. You can believe he came to the earth. You can believe that he died on the cross, but not be born again. Because simply acknowledgement does not make a person saved. It's where you enter in, and the Bible says, when you believe in him, put all your faith, hope, and trust in him. Not just simply to acknowledge. Well, Mike, where do you find that in the Bible? Well, the Bible says even the demons believe and tremble. That doesn't mean they're believers. That just simply means they acknowledge who Jesus is. So you'll find people who will acknowledge. I believe Pilate now is getting close to the acknowledgement that Jesus ain't from this world. Where are you from? Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.